All right, we got Kevin Lyman, the founder of Warped Tour, and you are now a professor at uh, USC, right? Yeah, full-time professor at the University of Southern California. You know, still doing a few things here and there, not completely out of uh, the business, but more, a little more choosy and a little more, doing more with my students and, you know, still doing a few charity events here and there. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I've always admired your uh, your charity work. You, uh, that was one thing I know going into Warp Tour, where there was there was always charity, and I had actually got involved with a few of them myself. You know, um, I did some work with Invin- Invisible Children, which wasn't right. Warp Tour related, yeah. but um, yeah, that was always a, a big admiration of you for that. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun now trying to pass some of that on to my students so they can maybe bake it into their DNA to do it as in their business, in their business lives going forward. Sure. Yeah. How has that, how has that been going? You've seen a lot of uh, potential with the, those guys, you know, in the, the new industry. I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, it's been interesting for me to kind of transfer into this. So I'm getting a focus on a hundred students a year, let's say, you know, between my classes, I teach uh, four classes, this coming up semester, I teach five in the, in the fall. I teach a class in philanthropic side. So, so you started to see kind of this transition to when I first went over to teach over there, a lot of the students were very much like, I came here to become the president of Universal Records. You know, how do I get there? Well, usually, yeah. usually there's some steps to get to places in life. And now I, we have a lot of students who, who truly understand that, like, you know, starting from the ground up, you know, uh, Shelly, who you probably remember from catering, who ran the catering company and, and some of the people yep. that we worked with out on warp tour now are great conduit conduits for the students that want to get that extra experience that want to get out there and willing to get their hands dirty, uh, get out in the world. Um, and you know, we, I find, you know, 10, 12, 15 a year. I look forward to, uh, I look forward to seeing where they go in the business. Uh, we also have, yeah. you know, some of them come in in my graduate program with accounting degrees, and I go, well, keep wow. that keep keep that hand handy because uh, I can transfer yeah. you into the the world of music pretty easy. Uh, so it's been a really really uh, nice transition, and I feel very uh, you know fortunate and blessed in some ways that you know in 2019 I was kind of like had planned on kind of winding things down and. Then we get hit by this p- pandemic in 2020, and I actually yeah. had something to occupy my time because I think it would be <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and uh, really focus on that. But uh, you know, it's it's nice, and there's times that I kind of miss maybe the road. But you know, I it's interesting that I'm I'm sitting here now. I'm I'm now I'm almost six. I'm 61, and all those mm. things that all those things, and f- as physical as I was on the road. And you probably remember, I never sat in an office. I was always out there in the middle of everything that your body mm-hmm. starting to remind you of every time you, you lifted a cabinet wrong or caught a kid in a barricade wrong, or, you know, this, yeah. and, you know, and, you know, I put myself back together and, and, you know, I just don't know physically if I could go out and do it the way I used to, yeah. just, uh, you know, your body just kind of, a lot of my friends were like surprised I did it so long the way I did it, but you know, and it all catches yeah. up to you at some point. I agree. Yeah. Even as a stagehand, like, you know, especially the upriggers, you know, those guys, man, yeah. that's a young man's game. And I have this one buddy, he's almost 40 and he's an uprigger still. And I can't imagine, I don't understand how he's still alive. You know I mean? He's gone, <laughs> yeah. you know, 
300 days of the year. So <laughs> it'll be the day he stops that he remembers. And that's what happened during the pandemic. Yeah. I think, you know, why there's so much opportunity out there for young people that want to kind of follow this lifestyle because, you know, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a, it's a job that people kept doing and doing. But when we stopped during the pandemic, all of a sudden you started realizing that, wait a second, that lifestyle I've yeah. kind of led for so long, Mm, maybe there's something there. Everyone kind of went home, slept in their own beds, <laughs> kind of yep. woke up yeah. and, and started to see it. And, you know, so a lot of people didn't come back or transferred into other careers. You know, some of us, like myself, went into right. education. Some people became logistics specialists for Amazon or even the truck and bus drivers, you know, drove a route where they could drive a truck on a, and be home by five o'clock at night and, and have that kind yeah. of more stable, stable life. So, the opportunities are out there right now. There's a, a lot of opportunity mm -hmm. in the business for, for a younger person to get into the business if they if that's the, what they choose to do. I agree. I agree. Do you get musicians that come into so your Kevin, classes what too? Was, um, and, uh, how did you get your like start like in music in, in general? We, did you start as, as oh, a Oh, gosh. I was, I was in uh, school, in college, and actually uh, went to a college about an hour outside of L.A. And uh, it was during a time, oh, okay. pretty exciting time in music for LA, but I didn't really know. I, I'd met my first punk rocker in 1979 when I was in high school, graduating high school and mm -hmm. started to get turned on to that, mm -hmm. you know, the punk rock music in a way, at least understanding it a little bit. Yeah. And then when I went to college, uh, there was a few people and I walked through campus one time and I, there was a concert going on on campus and, and I walked over and met some people mm -hmm. and it was the concert committee. And kind of, I was looking for friends in college, you know, you're just starting out and uh, gravitated to them oh, yeah. and then joined the concert committee. And then we started, I had a van, so we all drove into LA and uh, started yeah. going to shows. And then I was on a ski team in college and another part, why my body's mm -hmm. falling apart, you know, is uh, all the damage I did oh, racing yeah. and race, ski racing. And then, uh, you know, yeah. start bringing bands out from LA to play shows out in the Pomona Valley. And uh, there was no clubs out wow. there or venues or avenues for them to play and start putting on concerts out there and to raise money for the ski team. So that's mm -hmm. kind of was my start. Basements and anywhere you could, anywhere you could put a PA really. You know, so it was always in you know, some fraternity houses backyard that we'd rent for the night and the cops would come and break it up eventually. And, and, uh, Oh, of course, you know, but we would, uh, we would figure it out and, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do when I graduated. So I went to Hawaii and worked at a weight loss camp for girls and came back and someone said, Hey, you were wow. pretty good at put on those shows. You did an all right job. There was an opening at a club for a stage manager, a new promoter needed a stage manager. So uh, her name was Marcel Brumont and she gave me the chance and kind of went down to Long Beach and started working in a club uh, that was kind of famous in the punk rock scene called Fender's Ballroom. And then they start doing some co-promotes mm. with a company called Golden Voice, which most people know now, mm -hmm. you know, as, as the legendary punk rock promoter, Gary Tovar had that and uh, reconnected with people for, actually from Cal Poly Pomona, uh, Paul Tolette, who started Coachella. Yeah. And, uh, and I started running their shows and built my own production company in LA. And that's kind of really, it just took off from there. So is that like a, a West Coast CBGB kind of thing yeah, going on? Yeah, Fenders was a, a landmark. Yeah, Fenders was very similar, but it was like an old parking garage in Long Beach that eventually a neighbor got tired of it and threw a Molotov cocktail into it and burned it down. But 
Wow. You know, <laughs> you know so it kind of, uh, he, he got, you know, but this guy just got so mad at everyone hanging out in his alley that uh, he bombed it out. But then, that, you know, that was, there was a lot of, you know, when I started doing shows, you know, as a freelance production person and, you know, Olympic Auditorium, which was legendary for some of the big punk rock shows. I did some shows there and then I graduated to like, you know, the Hollywood Palladium and the Palace, which is now the Avalon in LA and, you know, the Roxy and Whiskey. And, you know, I was working 320 shows a year at one point and, uh, you know, had my own company and driving up and down the West Coast. And when bands like the Ramones would come to town, uh, I got known as the guy who, like, they enjoyed working with and, and uh, got to do tons of shows with them all the way from south of San, right south of San Francisco and places like Fresno all the way to San Diego. So uh, the company grew and grew, and then the music scene changed a little bit, and that became the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the Jane's Addictions of the World and a whole bunch of bands like that. And, and then uh, in 1991, uh, I was asked to be the stage manager of Lollapalooza. And that was when it was a touring event. It was a started out as a tour. It was like the worst tra first traveling uh, festival in America. Really was was, uh, and I had never been. On Did you say the world's worst or first? first? The world's first. first. Oh, okay, <laughs> I meant to say no, it was the first. And and uh, I had never been on the road at that point. And here I am asked to stage yeah. manage a uh, amphitheater tour. And it surprised everyone. Yeah. It was, you know, Jane's Addiction, Susie and the Banshees, Nine Inch Nails, Ice T, and uh, Henry. Wow. Well, you kind of threw uh, Kenny uh, Leith into that that same scenario, right? Where yeah. you just kind of threw him in a stage manager position, and then uh, you, you were like, yeah, figure it out. You're exactly on Warp Tour. I did that with some people throughout the years, including yeah. Kenny Leith, and yeah, and uh, you know, I went out and did that, and was still working and working, and um, I was so busy and had a great reputation at that point that, you know, not, and yeah. saw this blending of skateboarding and music. I was doing shows like the vision skate escape and the, the uh, holiday havoc and swatch impact tour where I'd get the chili peppers to play on top of a skate ramp at the end of a skate ramp. There's some cool videos that's, of that's those really still cool. online. And, uh, yeah. and then I started, you know, working in, you know, charity shows, uh, board aid and 40 boarding for breast yeah. cancer and, and one day, you know, sitting there listening, and I heard about the X Games. Someone was talking about it backstage at one of those events. Mm -hmm. And I go, wow, this is something. I, we should probably do something here before we're working for someone else. And Right, right. And that's, you know, you go out on the limb. You know, really at that point, yeah. I knew I couldn't work. In, I didn't want to work in the clubs forever. You know, uh, you sure. know I always yeah. describe it as, and people go, you know, I go describe it as you don't want to become that guy or that girl. And all of us yeah. know that person, right? You go into a club or venue and they're, and they're right, totally right. bumming your night out. You're like, they're, you know, yeah, they're yeah, the yeah. security guard <laughs> or they're the sound person. I mean, if you, if you, yep, you know, yep. yeah, like you've worked crew before with crew one, you know, and, and you're pretty, yep. you know, usually pretty stoked to get to work a show and be around it. And, yeah. and then you get there and Absolutely. there's like a bunch of misery around you, like people that are just miserable. And there mess. is, yeah. So I used to carry, yeah, some of the stagehands are like that. Yeah, they just you know smoke their cigarettes, do their job, and then they go back to their little you know hut or whatever they've got. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm that's I was day. like I don't want to be that person, and you know I and I yeah. saw that in L.A. working 320 shows, meeting everyone that was on tour, and then going on my own. Yeah. So when I had the opportunity to create my own tour, I, I think I I really looked for people that were going to have a great attitude, enjoy what they were doing, 
and really not complain because we were pretty lucky to get to do what we do really when you think about it and uh for yeah. and especially for the options that a lot of people we know had um so i always had this let's have a let's have a pretty a good attitude while we're doing this and uh if you yeah and, I agree. and the day you stop having that good attitude is the day you know to start thinking about doing something else in anything in life you sure. know and yeah. and uh i really really stress that and I think I've been able to keep yeah. that good attitude. And even towards the end, you know, Warped was, you know, a lot, you know, I, I put my heart and soul into it. But there was a moment in time where I go, you know, I think I've done everything I can possibly do with this project. I don't, you know, most people thought the Warped Tour wasn't going to last a year back in 1995. Right. It, was, it, oh, it wasn't sure. a huge success. It was a failure at first kind of, but people saw how hard I was working on it, that it was different. So I, I stress mm -hmm. to people, don't try to duplicate something. Try to do something completely different. And everyone was trying to accuse me of like, oh, he's just trying to duplicate Lollapalooza. He's trying to duplicate. And, I, and mm. when I brought Warped out, it was completely different. It kind of tipped it all on end, uh, you know, with the scheduling yeah. of bands and just the, the equal approach to everything and you know, the, the, the mm -hmm. fans coming first on everything we try to do out there that – it was a uh, it was a great run, you know, and and we kept evolving and evolving and faced challenges um, as anyone's going to face in any project, especially something that went a quarter of a century. Uh, and but I, yeah. you know, I got to the end of it, and, and now it's interesting because a lot of people ask me, "Are you bringing warp back? Are you bringing warped back?" And I go, you know, I I there's other things I want to do in life, you know. I don't. I yep. I, I I've I yeah. And I know Chris Franzak had uh, had mentioned at one point that he had to wait three years for contractual reasons well, to bring it he, back. But you know, and the more I the more vacations I take with my wife in the summertime that I never got, gets harder and harder to come yeah. back. You know, it's harder and harder. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and Chris has such a business mind too. You know, I've I had the pleasure of you know talking to him a few times. You know, and he would he would do it very well. But at the same token, it too, it's like one of those things where it's like you were able to run something for 25 years, do it well. And it never became stale. It ended in a beautiful way. Yeah. Why bring it back up again? Cause for that risk of something bad yeah. to happen. And then it's like, Oh, that last warp tour was what sucked. You know, this isn't that. And it's like, yeah, you know, we, I think it ended. On a yeah. We note. had a rough 2017. There was bad weather. There was the, all the, some of the issues online yeah. with some, and some of the artists we had out there. And I didn't know the artists as well as I did when I began, when I started that tour, they were all my peers. I knew everyone I was sure. dealing with. And then later on, I had to depend on other people sometimes to try to send good people, the same mindset that we had at the beginning of warp tour. And I, you know, yeah. I think I was, you know, maybe, trusted some people a little too much but that's okay i've always been trusting and i always will be but you know when we finished in 2018 and we had that you know awesome year with kind of a heritage year and then the, the last shows in 2019 mm -hmm. uh we went out on top again and uh yeah I, i've got other things you know i did that benefit show a few months ago that was super fun right before the when we were young yep. festival the bowling tournament yeah that was super fun yep. and it wasn't stressful for me i got some friends to come and play it was super fun. Yeah. We raised money for charity. Um, it was a big party. You know, I actually was uh, sure. thinking about that the other day. And my wife brought it up even and said, are you going to do that next year? You're going to do the bowling tournament before yeah. the next one we were young. And I go, you know, that, that, would be that cool. was fun. Yeah, it had, and, it, yeah. and it's back. It reminds you of why you started. Yeah. It, you, know? you know, it was fun to see old friends. It's kind of a reunion thing. Yeah. And 
Did you bring the grill out? Oh, I didn't get to bring the grill out. Maybe next year I can convince it with, no. you know, some of those bands like Simple Plan and Sum 41. And, you know, the next year's When We Are Young are really that age that I was almost, they're just the first group right behind us, you know, the Bad Religions and, and the No yeah. So maybe it might be a good idea. Maybe we do a barbecue backstage. We'll have to. Yeah, I'll, that would be cool. I'll, yeah. I'll have to see if uh, I, yeah. that might be fun. Absolutely. So how did the, the barbecue start? I mean, I know well, that was always like for Wharf. That was always like the the com, the way to kind of get together right. after the show to kind of decompress and, you know, hang out a little bit. Well, the original barbecue was, was uh, kind of an exclusive thing. And that was put on by uh, Carlos Donahue, who was the road manager for, for No Effects or Lagwagon. Okay. He was out with Lagwagon. Okay. And, and Carlos is a very good barbecue. He's from Brazil. Uh, he was Brazilian. Mm. I did. I thought he was like a trust fund kid, honestly, because he always had like the best. You know, <laughs> like he always had all the best cuts of meat and everything. He was cooking, and I was like, sure. "Who can afford this?" And I, it turned out he was he was right. spending all the band's money, you know. So, uh, it, you know, but it was, uh, you know, we'd all. But he had this exclusive thing, and people had a laminate to get to go to that barbecue, and that's when I said, "Wait a yeah. second, Warped was built on a community vibe, so we have to do. If he's going to do it for." A few people. I'm going to do it for the rest. I'm going to have to start a barbecue that everyone's welcome. Uh, so that's yeah. where the barbecue started. You know, Fletcher from Pennywise got be, helped me get behind that, and then we started doing that. And I really felt that it was up. It broke down the barriers. Like you know, everyone ultimately mm-hmm. gave a crap on that tour. And that it's a very simple yeah. term. And I, you know, I don't know if that's a scholarly term, but I use it in my classes. I, I say, you know, yeah. just give a crap. And, and I said, yeah. whether you had the smallest 10 by 10 tent or you were there working for a sponsor mm-hmm. or a nonprofit or you were my production manager, Kerry Nicholson, and had this overall picture or the case, everyone that worked on that tour gave a crap or they weren't going to be around or they I, weren't going to be around very long, you know? Yep, exactly. That was one thing I was very impressed about, you know, the logistics of running something this big. You have to make sure everybody in that in that movement is moving all in unison and nobody slacks more than others you know um and everybody gives like you said gives a crap because it's noticeable when there's one person that doesn't doesn't give a crap and everybody else does yeah the person that was late the person that was late with their tent or whatever it was you would always just know but i said how do you bring how do you bring break the barriers down especially when you've got sponsors all of a sudden and people that weren't normally part of maybe the culture a little bit have a barbecue right there's a barbecue you yep. know for me it was always a great way to talk to people because i think some people people always came up to me and said i was intimidated i was worried of, i go i'm pretty easy going i'm pretty easy to talk to yeah well i didn't want to bother you in this but you know what if you're around a barbecue yeah just like in your neighborhood or if anywhere you're at everyone will start talking at a barbecue yeah. there's no barriers i will say that's the reason why we have never had a full-on conversation at warped i mean i've did a lot of different dates you know most of them were in florida i would do like three or four of them i would just show up and you know sierra would put me to work or whoever would put me to work and uh but i would see you around i would just be like just gonna let him do his thing you know if we get a chance later on you know we'll talk but you were always like you know doing this whole thing talking to uh talking to somebody on the radio or you were getting called somewhere because you know 
um, bands not come um, bands um, staying later on the stage than they're supposed to or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, you were moving around. Yeah. A lot so, didn't want to yeah. So, you know, it was the barbecue was kind of to break that down. And that's really what the barbecues yeah. were about. Like, Hey, we're all in this together. We all work super hard. We're going to probably work really hard tomorrow, but let's take, let's take yep. two hours to be part of a community. You know, and yeah, absolutely. and by then, you know, you, most of the people that weren't part of the tour have left. Maybe a few guests here and there, but it was really the core mm-hmm. people that worked so hard each day, uh, just to meet. And relationships were made. Little there was a little gambling backstage. There was a little always a little yeah. music backstage, and those parties became like also places where sometimes, like in Florida, you know, I met an, an artist who I couldn't really put on a stage that year, but I said, "Why don't you come play the barbecue?" Uh, and we'd have bands yeah. back there sometimes that we want, and everyone would hang out and the music might be different than what you heard all day long. So, you know, sure. that's how we've always been, you know, all the way back to when I was in college, that's how we all got together. We had, I had barbecues in my backyard and, uh, and, yeah. and we'd have music <laughs> and we'd throw a plywood ramp up against the wall and, you know, we'd throw some plywood up and you had a skate ramp and yeah. Hey, that's how it, yeah. Warped was designed to be a big backyard party uh it, it really awesome. was i mean you know when you go to a big rock show they're fantastic the production you know when yeah. you, if you go to a giant festival but there's a barrier between the audience and the and the crowd you know warp yeah. you know warped had that barricade but it was pretty thin you know the the, yeah. the, the guests <laughs> had all ac- the access that the artists had you know uh the fans mm-hmm. you know i didn't you know the bands had to walk through the crowds to get to their stages uh you know right, it yep. was there so it was part of bringing a community together uh, you know a lot of psychological stuff that i learned from working 320 shows a year for 13 years then working on Lollapalooza and watching and people always say, well, you always say you were watching. Don't you listen? Mm-hmm. Of course I listened. I listened when I was right. putting the lineups together, but I watched people and I talked to my people, watch human nature. So breaking those barriers down before you got to the show by bringing your canned food to skip the line. You didn't want to be the one friend that didn't bring the canned food or bring your used cell phones, <laughs> yeah. you know? So that, that yep, sense of yep. like community started months before the warp tour you know we would start with our early pre-sales where you got the cd with the 50 songs you know as part of your first Mm -hmm. ticket trying to instill this new music into the band so it was really you know that's the only thing you know when people say hey i want to take over the warp tour and i'm I'm sure you know franz is awesome you know good smart guy but 90 percent of the things we did with warp tour were not about making money um Yep. And I don't think our business is, is built that way, really. You know, um, sure. I right. had responsibility and fiscal responsibility to run a, a show. And, hey, I made a nice living, mm-hmm. but I didn't get I didn't get rich on that tour. Rich you know, and it, we kept right. the ticket. Pro- you could have done a lot of other things that some other promoters or, yeah. you know, industry leaders have done, you know, that weren't necessarily they were, they were considered shady by some people you know and gotten you know your big house on the beach with you know your really nice cars or whatever not to say you don't have that already but you know it, it's there's a certain level of uh knowing that you're doing this because you're enjoying it versus you're looking to make that big buck you know
Did you lose his audio? I think we lost your audio. Is that it right there? Back? Yep, there it is. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. I don't know what I did. Okay. So uh It's okay. It's like those Zoom call days. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was it was uh I, I was very fortunate. And I never wanted to take it for granted yeah. or take advantage of it. And I always say that punk rock was a world like in any line of music you choose to work in. If mm-hmm. punk rock, you could no one had a problem with people who made a nice living in punk rock. You know, Brett mm-hmm. Gurowitz with Epitaph, Fat Mike with Fat Records. Some of, we all, but you have, you had right. to give. You could not take advantage of the community you lived in. Uh, you had, you yep. had to help that community as much as you took out. And I think all those people, because I wanted to do this all my whole life. People go, well, you know, war, the music change. I go, it's. I got to do it for forty years. Um, mm-hmm. I still get to do things here and there. You know, and uh, you know. But you have to give back as much as you put in. And that's what I think uh, a yeah. lot of times we don't see in our business. There's certain artists, get it. Uh, you're seeing more and more, get it. I think, yeah. you know, we're, I think I, artists right now uh, realize that they, they have to stand for something. And we're not mm-hmm. talking like that politics or something like that. But they have to have kind sure. of some reason to exist beyond their music. Whether that's going yep, to be for mental health awareness, whether that's going to be, you know, I know mm-hmm. jo- Joyce Manor, I don't know if they did it last night, but last time I went to see them, they were collecting pet food in front of their shows and donating it to shelters. Wow, that's a really cool you idea. Know, you know, some of the artists that got involved in our I Voted campaign, you know, just to register kids to vote mm-hmm. uh, this past year. Yep. It's not political. It's not like you have to go out there and alienate anyone. But you know what? While you have a voice, you need to stand for something. I think I think I, in, I think yeah. young, the, the younger generations right now are like we're kind of you know get shady if you don't stand for anything. Yeah, and with the rise of like you know these uh, like TikTok and you know YouTube Reels and all that, you know a lot of these uh, younger bands are becoming viral, you know, based off of a video that they put out, and then they kind of like they ride on that for a while, and then that's their sole purpose, you know like you said, it's more than just that, you know, they have to find a purpose for themselves to stay, to keep. Yeah. Afloat, you, know, you know, and you know, there's always that argument. We talked about TikTok at school and, and things like that. And, and mm-hmm. I go, Hey, it remains to be seen if which artist will be around in five years, you yep. know, uh, that's, there's a lot of more, the one hit. Sometimes, you know, people days, give you know. Jeffrey star a hard time sometimes. And I go, mm-hmm. think about it. He started on MySpace, yeah. very similar to as hot as TikTok was. Started as that kind sure. of celebrity on MySpace. But look at what he did. He transferred it into a business and a, and, and a career. And, yeah. and, and though yep. they're not, some people, you may not like Jeffree Star, some people, but you have to respect for what right. he did in his business and how he was able to take this viral moment and build a career. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Yep. Logan Paul, you yeah. know, that's another guy that's no. uh did the same thing and a lot he gets a lot of hate for being who he is, oh. you know. But but you know come down to it, he did exactly the same thing. You know, he he figured out his niche, he stuck it with it, and he got really good at what he does and he's doing really well for himself for that yeah, reason. Yeah, you know, you know? And, and you know, yeah, you're gonna get hate no matter what, you know. I got hate. It's funny, yeah. people like me now. I stopped working for I stopped yeah. Let's get you Stop stopped. <laughs> I'm like people say nice things about me now. 
Well, I'm out, yeah, well, I'm yeah, out yeah. there. You have to be, you're, you're just getting it no matter what happens. You know, I think, I think I know, even though I think people blame me for the first day of when we were young canceled because of the storm. I heard it online. They canceled. They, they, they can, what? They blame well, yeah, you. Some kid blame me. I'm like, whoa. You know, I'm yeah. like, great. At least, at least it's still consistent with a few people. You know, they're gonna no matter what. That's no matter fair. What yeah, goes yeah, wrong, yeah. I'm gonna be responsible for it. But it, it keeps you alive. But you a know? lot of people. But a lot of people. You know, it's nice. I go. It's rare now. You know, now it's rare now for me. Yeah. But it's it's been good. It's been a good run. Um, I always yeah. say. And I noticed you got that a lot towards the towards the end of you know Warped Tour with all the the stuff that came out about the different artists and it's like and I I know who you are before all of that because you know I've talked to people in, at Warped you know but without 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 actually meeting you I knew yeah. you were just a pretty reasonable guy you wanted to get the full story yeah. before you did anything you know and that's who you've always been it's not necessarily just a business decision it's a this is a Kevin Lyman. Yeah, you know, it's, let him <laughs> process this, and then move I still forward. believe that there's due process, and that was, you know, mm -hmm. the court of the internet was new at that point, you know, around 2017, right. where people were, you know, judge, jury, witness. It was just, it was so quick. People, there, no one took a breath to kind of figure out what was going on, and I made them, and I right. learn, and I teach it now. I, I made the mistake of believing everyone deserved an answer. Uh, I came sure. from a world where if someone had a problem with you and it started out, they, they would come and talk to you or we would sit under bus one and have a problem, right. you know, and all of a sudden yeah. those problems that people would have. And I had problems with artists that were touring with me. Maybe they didn't know me or worried about, but you know, when I read something they said online without walking over and talking to me about it, that's when it got really yeah. weird for me that they couldn't get off. Right, they could right. get, they, they of course could get off their bus if they needed extra guests on the guest list. But if they had an issue with sure. the way I was handling something, yeah. come over and talk, talk to me because I was used to that with the artists I grew up. If, if Pennywise Fletcher had a problem or Fat Mike or mm -hmm. Greg Graffin, they could come talk to me and we could have a discussion. But it got to this point yeah. where everything was just vented. And then all of a sudden, I, I made the mistake thinking everyone need, need, deserved an answer. And you found that you yeah. know everyone doesn't deserve an answer uh, immediately. You right. made. I, take I, a yeah. second, take a breath, figure out where you're at. But I made that mistake. I didn't know how to handle it. So I felt bad. I feel bad for teenagers. You know, think about it. I was a 50-year-old, something-year-old man, and I was, like, shooken by this stuff. Like, you know, and then you realize yeah. that a lot of it is just like we see now. It's people that are really unhappy in their lives that vent out to mm -hmm. other people, whether it's Logan Paul, you know. Great. You know, you yeah. know, the guy does what he wants to do. He's doing his life, you know, uh, you know, right, but, right. You know people got to, you know, I, there was a, a great book and it's still so relevant. It's called uh, worldwide whiners, uh, www <laughs> worldwide whiners. How I like the title, how, you know, <laughs> W and it was a great book on, on, on the internet when it first came out. I kind of had it, you know, in my mind that it was basically the whiners in the world used to have one person to talk to the bartender mm -hmm. at their local bar. Yeah. And the internet, <laughs> and the internet gave the amplified, allowed them to amplify their voices. You know? Yep. And Mario was a bartender for 10 years. So he could attest yeah. to that. Yeah. But I was all, you know, I was there for, for live journal and then it was Facebook. And then, yeah. Know. 
live you, journal. Now it's just all a highway of ads. Yeah, but you remember that the guy that would just sit there and complain about everyone and everything in the world, but he only had you to listen. You were the only person that would listen to him. You know, social media and all these abilities. There's it's it's double sided. It's like it's taken away some ability to have. Uh, hard or uncomfortable conversations face to face. It's easier to go. It's easier to hide behind a keyboard and yeah. vent out that way. You know the mob mentality. Oh yeah, it yeah. can be a vicious place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so we 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 learned. Yeah, so, yeah, we learned a lot. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask next. Was you know what what all have did you learn that you would be able to kind of translate to other people that you do in your courses? You know that. Uh, during warp tour because i mean it's 25 years i mean and in that instance was just two years well, and there's still th- 23 other years that you know you learned a lot of other things yeah you know, i you know I, I tried to help them avoid like you know hey you know you know about really right now we're teaching about how to to minimize your liability and to mm-hmm. understand uh, what building a community really is. And so I, I spent a lot of time on the nuts and bolts and bolts of two things. One, of, of operating and putting on events and as well as tours and budgeting and all the, the nuts and bolts. But then the other side, I tried to the psychological effects of putting on events and why certain things work and why things don't work. And then the psychology of dealing with people, like, you know, what in, you know, the psychology of an agent is and the psychology of an artist is. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, we work a lot on the philanthropic side of how to blend some of this stuff. We do a mental health um, event on campus. We do it a canned food drive this semester on campus. You know, so some of the things I used to do with, with art on tour with the, with the people, I, the fans, I now do with my students and try to transfer that knowledge. Uh, you know, we fill up, you know, I'm here writing, putting my courses together. I start again on Tuesday. Uh, so I update them in real time. So we'll be discussing yep. the first week. We'll be discussing where all this is going with Ticketmaster at the moment. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I saw 21 Savage just did a bunch of charity stuff. So we'll talk about over the holidays what he did. Uh, you know, so I yep. really try to keep it in the present in real time. And then we'll be talking about the effects of what TikTok, like will with the, if they do ban it in America, what happens? What happens now that the, the major yeah. labels have all gone to signing TikTok artists? Where are they going to find the next artist? Maybe they're going to have to go out and do some <laughs> AR work again, you know? Uh, yep, yep, so, yep. Hit the streets with some flyers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we, you know, we really try to keep it very current. Um, and I bring in, you know, hope, relevant people to support the discussions we have. Um uh, and then, yeah. my, and then I get a lot, like it, get a lot of people out there this spring. will be out working events or being around or, or you know, uh, teaming them up with mentors and people in the business to 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 help them along. Yeah, and speaking of current scenarios, I mean, obviously we're still in a um, COVID environment. Uh, theoretically speaking, what would a warped world look like during COVID? Oh. I mean, I feel like just logistically would be a nightmare. Oh, uh, we would never happened. It would have never happened. Yeah, it, it, that's it fair. Would have, it that's would have fair. bankrupted me. Uh, if I had gone in 2020, I'd be bankrupt. Uh, 25 years of work would have been gone. And sure. think about that. There's no way. Can you imagine having to run COVID protocols on Warped Tour? Oh, my God. No. It, it wouldn't work. There's, it, there's it really no shows you how many people aren't willing to get vaccinated for something that they love or whatever, yeah. you know, depending on if you're anti-vax or whatever. But Right. Um, you know, we, uh, I'm in a band called Delaluz who he manages, um, our first show was at Summerfest and 
it was a great show, but there was still like a 40% less attendance rate because people just weren't willing to get vaccinated or. Yeah. And that was part of the reason because they had a vax proto a protocol or where they had to show the vaccination card, right. you know, and it's like, how do you, how do you run that without getting too political with, with being able to keep everybody safe? It's just, it's nearly oh, impossible. God. Yeah. I, I don't even, all I do is really was, you know, maybe I was a, you know, people go, God, how did you know that COVID was coming in 20? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be in a global pandemic. I'm surprised nobody blamed you for COVID you know, yet. Uh, so, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, I feel, you know, it would have never, and I don't know, you know, we would have, I just, you, you couldn't have shows canceled. You couldn't miss shows. It was so, the, the economics yeah. of Warped were so complicated that we had to work as hard mm-hmm. as we did to make it through the year. Um, I know some people like, you know, if you're a merch person or why don't we get more days off? Well, days off cost money. Yeah. It costs money to the bands. It costs us money. It costs everyone money. So trust me, most, yep. when you really broke it down, most people were very happy because every day we did a show, they were paid, you know, the bands made money right, yeah. and that helped make it work yeah. because our ticket price was very fair. So the, the economics were super, super complicated on warp and what we, and at yeah. the end of the summer, really, really, if we were going to make any money that year, it was down to the last three or four shows of the summer. So, Oh, wow. And that's a, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about the logistics behind it? I mean, cause obviously, so when you got back uh, from warp tour, maybe you spent maybe a month, off and then you went right back into it what was the process like getting ready for the well, next really that's it was called the pilgrimage to pasadena where i kind of lived in the area when all the agents bands managers everyone would start coming over here at the end of in september and october and we would meet with labels and i really engaged the community in that discussion like you know whose albums are coming out who are you excited about what's going especially as the mm-hmm. later years because i didn't know the bands as well to be honest i was learning Right, because yeah. those weren't my peers; these were new bands. So sure. I had a lot of people, and I was learning. And I'd have a big whiteboard, and I'd have like bands, and slot them in and out, and sounds of music. I'd mm-hmm. listen to them to kind of see how it would sound in a festival setting on the grounds. And then, you know, oh, sure. you know, the, by the by Thanksgiving, we were pretty much booked, pretty close. But I would have a few. Yeah. Op- wow. I would have a few open spots there, kind of sitting there for something that might start popping mm-hmm. or something I hear later on. But we kind of had the essence sure. of the tour booked by Thanksgiving each year, and uh, then we would go. Wow. Then we would go on sale with that Christmas package, the really cheap ticket with the CD yeah. right around Christmas time, mm-hmm. and and yep. we would draw. I still have a few of those CDs but, but, <laughs> somewhere. But now, <laughs> the compilation oh, yeah, say, CDs. Hold them. Everyone's trying to sell. I'm seeing like those old water cans from Warp Tour, the the aluminum. Oh you know, yeah, for yeah, like yeah. 120 dollars online and stuff now. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. Did you see Monsters going to be doing a? a um, what do you call it? Uh, their own version of the well, it's the tour water, but it's their own version of uh, Liquid Death. Yeah, they're trying to. They're going to be doing another yeah, one. I wrote for, for themselves. Tried, oh, I've been very involved in that because um, it's going to be the it's okay. going to be, because that was the original water can was Warp Tour. I can't. Yep. I came up with that idea with Monster to put water in a can. That's a really good idea. That that was my <laughs> branding idea back in 1997 with them because they wanted branding and okay. I needed water. So I, I yeah. originally came up with that idea with Mark Hall, the CEO of, so they did approach me. I, I didn't know it had been public. So I guess we're talking about it. You've heard about it. Yep. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually very involved and the royalties on that can will be donated to Music Cares. Wow. So it, 
it That's was an amazing. agreement I worked out with them, and I wrote a message that'll be on the back of um, all those cans. So, uh, yeah, Nuh-uh. that's so cool. I guess it, I, I wasn't <laughs> going to say anything because I didn't know if it's been public, but I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we. I, I saw it on uh, LinkedIn. Actually, I think uh, somebody that I have LinkedIn friends with uh, is on their monster team, and uh, they made a, made a post. Oh, okay. Because so, I, because I, yeah, it was about a month. I literally ago. just got home. We've been gone for a month. Been camping in New Zealand, so got home and. Okay, so they did it right before you. And left, I'm actually, they, yeah, they I'm actually getting ready it. to film a bunch of stuff with them to tell the original story of the aluminum water can. So I'll be out at Monster. Wow. I'll be in their studios in the next few weeks. I always wondered. I was like, Did these guys just drink monster. Like, it's super hot. Yeah. <laughs> these guys are just slamming monster. Yeah, the time. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because, yeah, it did. Well, the first year that I was working there, uh, well, volunteering with you guys, um, I saw all the cans of monster. And then Palettes. people would be just drinking them. And then you're like, hey. And then somebody was like, hey, can you go bring a pack of uh, the tour water over to, you know, tent, whatever. And I'm over there looking for actual cases of water didn't realize that it was in the monster cans and it says tour water on yeah it, that, was know, that was something it's the coolest thing in the world i came up with in 1997 with those guys you know it was uh wow it was uh they were tra- launching monster at that point and i knew that we couldn't drink yeah. it all day long you couldn't pound it all day long sure but you know they needed right, some branding right. so you know then we did those custom we did yeah. those custom cans and i would write you know with the artwork and i'd write stories on the back sure so sure i was pretty excited when they approached me to do that and called up my old crew from work yeah. and we decided to do it. And, and then instead of making it complicated, uh, I just said, donate our royalties to music cares this time. Seriously. Yeah. It would be cool to, uh, I mean, I know Paps that did this already, but Paps has the, um, you know, the artwork by an, uh, like a local designer or something, somebody submit their artwork and then they were able to showcase it on their cans for a year. Or oh yeah. Whatever. You'll see that cool when, you, like when, that you, from, from when you see the artwork, you'll like it. So you'll see. Okay. Yeah, all right. Cool. I'm <laughs> so I've I'm, I've always been super curious. How does I mean? Obviously, there's a lot of work. You know, you guys are it, it's a tour, so it's like as soon as you're done, I'm sure you're heading to the next city over, or whatnot. Like, how did how did scheduling come? Because obviously, it, you know, schedule didn't come out till day of. So well, I'd write it on the bus. You'd be seeing. Yeah. I, saw, I would I would sit there on the bus and write it, and sometimes the night before, I try to do it the night, but a lot of times the morning of. And sometimes it was based on weather, and sometimes it was based on, okay, someone's local sit. How much somebody uh, drank local the other cities. night. And then there was always that prime spot I could change at the last minute if someone had partied a little too hard the night before just to kind of maybe get them back in line. Yeah. But that didn't work. That didn't work <laughs> with that Japanese band, Crossfaith. They went so hard. They oh went God, so Crossfaith, hard one yeah. night. And then the next day they were on at 11 o'clock in Florida. And they're like, this is awesome. Oh now God. we can go party more. I'm like, ah, oh, that didn't backfire on me. <laughs> Crossfade is is it's insane uh anyway regardless of the scenario (laughs) they're just they're a good group of people um but yeah i mean some of the one of the other things that i i'm you started was the um ernie ball stage how did that how did that unfold i mean because that was a really cool concept that even with some of my my artists are like uh i had managed an artist called dream house uh, they're based out of Milwaukee. They uh, won the Ernie Ball stage, but ended up playing um, Journey's Left Foot stage. You know, and I think I don't know if that was because there was too many bands. I don't really know the logistics of it, so I'm sure you could. Yeah, go you know, the Ernie details. Ball. Uh, the Ernie Ball stage was. Uh, I met Sterling Ball uh, and Brian one day, and they wanted to support local music, and then they built that stage and were super support. I mean, it was a great partnership. You know, I mean. 
um, Ernie mm-hmm. Ball, Monster, Vans. They were all my longest sponsors and partners. And that gave us an opportunity to always have local bands on each show. Uh, you know, yeah. eight to 10 bands over, you know, so just think, you know, 10 bands. If it was eight bands so over 40 shows that, you know, that gave 320 yeah. different bands a chance to play. Uh that you know, I because I believe that's the problem a lot of times. There's no opportunity for local bands. Um, and yeah, and if you think about the bands who played on that stage through the years, Mayday Parade and uh, Newfound Glory said they started, uh, got their first show on that stage, and a lot of people like that, uh, you know, it, Static played on that stage and things like that. And uh, wow. through the years, uh, it was yeah. a a day to remember did yeah too. so you know i i i hope yeah. and that's what i think's missing in some ways i i've gone to these festivals yeah and there's not many opening spot there's not much uh, there's not so much spots right now for to developing bands and yeah. uh there is a huge gap in that in that sense it's you know and it's part of the the whole tiktok social media thing too um it's become so much harder uh because there's so much good music out there it's an oversaturation of good music. So it's that much more important to be able to have, you know, festivals like Warp Tour who could give these bands an opportunity to showcase what they've got, you know, to a bunch of kids and who may not have been able to do before, you know, and like I said, we're, we're short in that, in that aspect of the music industry right now. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully it'll, it'll come back around and there'll be some opportunities out there. Yeah. Especially, you know, being Milwaukee-like, not a lot's going on in Milwaukee. We have the world's largest music festival, but yet as far as like music scenes, it's always scarce and far from between. You've got, you know, you've got Leslie West over at the Rave and, and, you know, Eagles Ballroom. That's trying. They're trying. But 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 I hear you're going to have a bunch of new venues opening up there. From what I've heard, there's a lot of plans in the works for Live Nation's going to build something. There is. AEG's building something, yep. you know, so it'll be an, oh, it'll yeah. be an oversaturated market soon. You won't know which way to go and, uh, <laughs> to a show. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, capacity is going to be like, but that was another issue that we run into is our venue caps are – yeah, parking, yeah. Uh, it's, it's either we've got a 200-cap venue or we've got a 1,000-cap right. venue. You know, there's no, like, you know, 500 to 600-cap venue that we can just – throw you know some you know b market bands well, in all ages too there's not ages. enough all ages and the kids will come out but yeah uh, you know either it's too far or it's not all ages because we're everyone everyone drinks here yeah it's milwaukee and then you got chicago right there yeah that's yeah <laughs> chicago takes a lot of uh takes a lot of that yeah routing, it'll take a lot of know. wind out of the, the the touring market so yeah exactly I didn't mean that didn't so. mean that as a pun wind right no. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't even catch, catch it myself honest, until so, yeah. I said it. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Were you, so, were you involved in anything like um, online through COVID? Like, I know people were doing, you know, online streams of performances or events um, and stuff I, like that. I was an investor in the company Veeps. That was one of the first companies that was streaming it mm-hmm. with uh, Sherry Saidi, who was a uh, a day to day manager on Warp Tour with bands. She created the company Veeps, and I, I invested in her company. Uh, but no, I did a mental health festival. I did a, a large mental health festival that was supposed to be live, and it was with Talinda Bennington, Chester Bennington's wife. And we moved mm-hmm, it online mm-hmm. in May 2020. And we did 21 hours of mental health programming, and we had 64 artists perform, including Chris Martin, Lindsey Sterling, and a wow. bunch of different things. So we actually pivoted fairly quickly one of our physical events to an online event. 
But uh, beyond that, wow. beyond that, That's you amazing. know, I did. I spent COVID more talking to people, trying to one helping my friends kind of get their head around it, um, and two then helping young businesses try to figure out how to navigate that period of time. Uh, I was very outspoken about it. Um, I, I, I felt it was going to be a lot longer than people were talking at the beginning. So a lot of people gave me crap mm-hmm. at the beginning of that, you know, and later on they were like, well, you were right. And I said, I didn't want to be right. No one wanted to be right. Yeah. But the reality of right. a pandemic was it was, it's, it's, and look at, we're still sitting here. What are they talking about? This new variant this week? We're all good. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, and that's the, that's the downside. It feels like there's always a new variant and it's like, how do you keep up with it? You know? And it's, yeah, man, it's never going to go away, you know? It's, so it's just like, but how do you cope with something that you're like, you've already accepted the fact that it's never going away, but how do you cope with something that's like, Oh, by the way, there's this new thing. It's almost like the, you know, how the flu has their own variants every year. It's the same scenario. You got to be able to adapt to that. And right now we're still in such the works in the early stages of it. It's, it's hard. Well, and we live in a country, like you said, where, where you, they, they, they misinformation and you know, now they've, now they're saying that football players heart attack was due to the, uh, to the vaccine COVID. Yeah. And and then, and and, and there's actually people at this point that believe it. You know, I mean, that's, yeah, the, I know. that's yeah. the mind-boggling thing. That Well, that's because they said that they couldn't see him doing CPR. Oh, yeah. And I, in my head, it's like, how do you really think that they're going to publicly, yeah, you know, show I, that? It, I, it's, 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 I don't even know what to talk. It's just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I get you it. Know, what was it yesterday? I don't know. So I don't know. But it was like, that's not Britney Spears because with, I don't know, just you see something on your news screen. And it was like, uh, that photo of Britney, Right, right. I, I don't know. What's her name? Paris Hilton superimposing Britney Spears. That's not the real Britney Spears because her yeah. beads didn't match. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. fuck. Right. Jesus Christ. Well, they've been doing that with uh, – so did that with Bam Margera um, because he was in a um, guardianship, and he just got out of a guardianship. And then yeah. uh, they also say that about Avril Lavigne. You know, so it's like anybody clones. who's like – Clones, right? right. So, so there's anybody who's, who's like, like super successful, successful you know, you know got some of the limelight for a while, you know, it comes back. It's like, oh, it's a clone. Illuminati. Illuminati, yeah. Well, I mean, I think – I honestly – it's like the – you know, obviously the music industry is always changing and like – I feel like right now we're in like a, a crazy shift of humanity where all this crap and all this dirt has has surfaced too. It's like we're talking more about mental health and and mm-hmm. about laying boundaries and what's not accepted. And yeah, like COVID. Now we're we're probably going to have to like take more advance more advances to big events and and big spaces. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. Or is it? Or are we at this now at a point where it's just like it's your risk, you know. Right. Seems, that's the seems other like thing that's too. where we're yep. at right now. Kind of, it's, you know, you know where you're at. Yep. You're comfortable with it. I agree. If you're comfortable with it. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see where it all goes in the next little yeah. bit. But um, yeah. So. Yeah. And so you guys did the Warped Tour Cruise too. How was, you guys only did one, oh, right? Oh yeah, though? it was super, super. Now they did the emo cruise. It was interesting. Now. Oh yeah, that's right. I had a buddy that went on that one. Sometimes it's yeah, about it timing. Cool. For some reason that came off of that one weird year, yeah. 2017. It did fine. Probably yeah. over, I over-programmed the ship, which sometimes I over-program festivals. There was too, so much going on on sure. the ship. Um, I, those guys yeah. are great. Um, I uh, did the emo cruise. I had great success with it. Um, you know, I it was super fun. Everyone, the bands, and we all had a great time. 
we all had a great time. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, but yeah, and you guys probably didn't have cell signal out there, so it was like you know, and nobody could use their right, phones, and, and you know, and it was just and kind the company, of. It seems like a really nice the company experience. that puts it on. Uh, Sixth Man are are the best people in the business to work with. They're amazing. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and you guys, man, you guys have done so much, honestly. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you ever get like an imposter syndrome at all? No. You know, you feel like, uh, no. no, it's it's like, I, I always yeah, wonder you, that because you got so much going you, on. And it's you're like, not man. the imposter when you're when I'm when I'm looking at got my pot of beans cooking for my daughter. Uh, they're coming over, cooking them some beans and oh, making okay, some yeah. soup on the other one. Yeah. And I got to go out and fix the uh, security cameras that went off sometime while we're gone and with my wife and reprogram. Yeah. So all you have to do is spend a few minutes raking leaves and then you're back to normal. You know, that's a fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I mean, you were on TV too. You were on that, uh, was it warped or uh, yeah, roadies? The- yeah. Which I didn't even know that was, uh, um, a thing until, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I think I, I found it on yeah, YouTube. A, you know, I don't think they didn't do a lot of promotion that I saw. At least. Maybe was they it? Did oh God, we had a, but... can you imagine Kenny Leith and, and, and Danny on, on, a, oh, on my a God. 60 foot billboard in front of Madison square garden. That's, that's <laughs> one time. I, no. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they didn't have to superimpose uh, Kenny no, at all. He was already no, just naturally you know, that it, big. <laughs> the show was, uh, you know, it was on Fuse, which is in a huge channel, but it was, yeah. it was successful for them. It was a, uh, a great show. Yeah. And, and they, the only reason we didn't have season three was they sold the channel, the station during that year. But hey, look, I'm kind of the, I'm kind oh, of the, okay. I'm kind of the person that just goes, uh, hey, you know what? Let's have fun with it. That was yeah. a lot of fun. We, you know, film. Did they approach you yeah, or yeah. who, who well, did we they approach? Great, yeah. We had a great okay. partnership with them. We had those Warp Wednesday programming. We had a lot of programming oh, sure, with yeah. them. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, we just, you know, we filmed those horror movies on Warp Tour. I don't know if you've ever seen Punk Rock Holocaust and some of those things. They, you know, they <laughs> yeah. just just, yeah. just have fun. It really was, it was yeah, about yeah. creating fun and creating something you didn't expect. And, uh, and Absolutely. Know, yeah. And I think Danny uh, really loved that whole uh, time period too. You know, he really thrived during that. And, you know, you could tell he was having a great time. <laughs> you know, so did Kenny too. You know, Kenny was enjoying that, you know, but yeah. A lot of those guys did it, you could tell. Oh, he lost your audio again, Kevin. <laughs> I think I just brush it. Yeah. So uh, there you so, go. You know, yeah. The, the, <laughs> They almost enjoyed it too much to where I actually had to sit them down and remind them that they had a job to do sometimes. So, so. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, so I mean, you got anything else? I mean, we're getting pretty much close to the yeah, hour no, here. No, um, man. Thank you for giving us uh, the time of day and and coming in to to hang out and talk with us. Warp Tour is like you know, I, I was a huge skateboarder, and through the music scene, I found myself. I found my path and just my support groups and just my mentorship. So it's a big deal. So thank you. Yeah. Well, it's been great being on with you guys. And beyond that, I have to, we have a a former warp tour persons coming over. We're going to have their baby shower here. So we're going to, they're coming over here at noon. Oh, very cool. They're coming over here at noon. So we can plan that for February. So when the community still stays together and the family still stays together and I get to see a lot of people. So we'll be hosting that and they're coming over here to uh, talk babies in a few minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I actually just messaged, uh, well, I messaged Kenny on Facebook not too long ago and he wants to come on this as well. Yeah, you know, um, I think we I, think we got a, a 22nd. I think he's going to come in and we're going to record something. Rumor, you know, so rumor has it. Kenny might've gotten married March. 
Rumor, rumor has it. Oh, really? Yeah, ask him if he got. I think he got married. I texted him on New Year's, but okay. He well, he doesn't really talk or post anything on Facebook yeah. you know, about anything. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he's just kind of a reserved guy. I remember meeting him for the first time, and just a super nice dude. Okay. But my God, he was a Norse god. I don't know if you've ever seen him before, <laughs> but yeah, it's just gigantic. He's got to be like six foot seven, six foot five. He's blonde hair, dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of like a white hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Tattoos. Yep, yep tattoos. tattoos. Yeah. Okay. Oh, such a such a good good heart, though. My God. All right. Well, it's but, been, um, th- thank you. But so yeah, much. man. Thank you so much for having me on, you guys. Yeah, thank you for coming on. You know, and I'm sure we'll catch uh, Sierra next time, and you know, be sure to to let her know that you had a great time on our podcast when you All see right. her. All right. <laughs> thank you, guys. Take care. Yep. Yep. All right. You Kevin, too. Take care. Be well. Right. See you next time.